0: This episode, this episode of japan, japan 2.0. 2.0 maybe my first year here i still used to wonder like mm, am i supposed to follow those rules <laughs> <what> i mean <laughs> eating ramen because they seem a bit like tough to follow yeah and uh, i think i finally decided after asking some lo- local friends here like yeah no that was just uh, a joke <laughs>
1: hello and welcome to Japan two I'm one of your hosts matt this is David and today this is gonna be our most professional episode ever um we can't tell already <laughs> we both have uh some better mics and uh a recording at a more uh i think it's a typical podcast capacity <laughs> yes we're
0: we're now normal level after uh, 10 years of podcasting here so um,
1: it's only take taken 10 years yeah
0: yeah we used to all, obviously before COVID, we always recorded in person so I, I just thought it would take one mic you know and we'd be there in person but uh we, we've kind of found out that uh with these entry-level semi-professional mics that you get you have to talk pretty close into them so it was a very intimate recording sharing one microphone so yeah we we finally we got we got the big bucks from all our patreon supporters and yeah uh, thanks thanks to all know.
1: the patreon supporters out there we'll read off your names
0: now go crazy legs tom <laughs> <laughs> yeah. elbert just kidding we're, anti- we're anti-patreon yeah uh yeah, so actually, this was born out of, we recorded this episode about a week or two ago, and it got lost, so uh, because of that, I think maybe we felt, ins- felt inspired to get a good mic and not just recording our phone anymore, and where crazy things happen, so sometimes, you know, there's a silver, silver lining.
1: Yeah, um, thank you for your patience. Uh, I know our podcast has taken a bit of a hiatus, and um, we really want to come back and start doing regularly scheduled podcasts, so... Um, if you are new to the podcast, thank you for joining us for the first time. And if you're a return listener, um, thank you for sticking with us. I'm glad that you guys are still here and, uh, supporting us. We really appreciate it. That's right. We have a very large
0: back catalog. If you haven't gone through it already, more than a hundred <laughs> episodes. So, uh, go back and check those out. Start at the beginning, maybe and Go all the way through. And if you've listened to them all, then patience is a virtue that's right (laughs) (laughs) anyway today we are here for a a classic again we always say this but i think when we sat down this is this is we always say we're getting towards the end of like our original ideas but i really feel like this might be the last one that i
1: think in that first kind of month we knew what we'd record about you know yeah this this goes back to our first uh i remember we made a manifesto and we put a couple of ideas on there and i remember this one's close to the top this is like number three or something so right and i think for us and you and i personally like our bond and love over japan back
0: when we met in korea you know that's kind of one of the things that brought us close together was uh you know it was kind of rare to meet people who like japan for the same reasons we did Mm -hmm. this movie was definitely one of the things that um you know kind of made that bond even stronger because one of the cool things about you is you know i typically i'm the guy who knew everything about japan but uh, this movie I had seen before, but to be honest, didn't deeply watch it. Um, so it was really you giving a glowing review and loving it and uh, making me feel like, oh, man, I got to step up my game and go back and rewatch that. and know, know what he's talking about. And at that time, we were really into ramen in Korea mm. because it wasn't it wasn't everywhere. It wasn't crazy hard to find either, but you had to definitely seek it out. Japanese style ramen, that is. And, yeah. Um, so that was kind of one of our things we would do together is get together, find a new ramen shop. We had Beatles, Robin, and one of my favorites was Tampopo Ramen. I don't know if you remember, but there was one on Jongju Street. Yeah, I do remember. I I didn't know until years later, like two years after eating there, I found out the name was Tampopo, which is the movie we are going to be uh, talking about today.
1: I actually never got to eat at Tampopo Ramen in Korea. But uh, Beatles Ramen was definitely my favorite. Uh, That was a cool place. They had a little moped out front and then... They always played the Beatles. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we don't know what the actual name was, but they always played the Beatles. So you have to
0: call it Beatles Ramen, of course. Of course. (laughs) Um, uh, But yeah, Tampopo,
1: legendary ramen movie.
0: But it's about so much more than ramen, which we'll get into.
1: Yeah. So when did you first become acquainted with Tampopo? Did you see it in, you said you saw it the the first time you saw it, you kind of were, you know, in and out of the movie. But um, do you remember when?
0: Yeah, it would have been around 2004 or so. So I would have been 20 then. Um, And it was just at that time, I was just going through movie lists like crazy, right? I was young and there's so many top 100 lists. I used to do the IMDb top 100. Then once I did that, I did IMDb like foreign films. And then I would find like top 20 Japanese films. And at that time, I dropped out of university for a bit um, at a hiatus. And I was working at blockbuster video pour one out for blockbuster video. Mm. And, uh, you you got a lot of free movies there, right? So I could consume a lot of movies and, uh, Tom Popo, I think was, yeah, during, during those days for me. Um, yeah. And again, I was just blowing through movies and I just kind of put them on in the background sometimes. And, uh, this movie can be a little bit disjointed. And I think some of that, um, the fragmented nature of this movie, I think, uh, lost me the first time I saw it. Um, but
1: later we'll, we'll go into why. Uh, you shouldn't you shouldn't give up uh we'll get into that later but yeah how about you uh yeah i think it was around the same time probably a little earlier um i i used to go to hollywood video and blockbuster video no not hollywood video (laughs) yeah hollywood video (laughs) yeah so um hollywood video had a pretty good international section It was called like I forget what the name of it was. Just like uh, specialty films, I think it was what it was called. But I used to go Mm -hmm. through there and watch all the anime movies, all the you know international films. And I think I got Tampopo from Hollywood Video. Um, But either way, like I watched this movie, I loved it. Um, You know, the the depiction of food was incredible, and it made me extremely hungry, craving ramen. Um, I'm sure after I watched it, I went down to my favorite, uh, San Gabriel ramen restaurant. Um, and ramen and, uh, yeah, I've I'm, I'm been a fan ever since. Yeah. I've been pre- preparation
0: and preparation for this podcast. And now that this podcast has been extended over like two and a half weeks, <laughs> I've been eating more ramen than I have in a long time. And the weather's been cold, colder here, although we had a recent warm spell, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's getting towards winter same and,
1: it's, uh, same here
0: yeah yeah you've been eating ramen more too
1: yeah emily made a bunch of ramen and um and i i don't think it's coincidence i think yeah. i think she definitely was inspired
0: <laughs> well that's good yeah i just had ramen last night and uh ready yeah this movie will definitely make you want to eat ramen maybe some other food too but definitely ramen
1: yeah um, I, I, I don't think I said this the last time we recorded, but I actually uh, used this movie in a speech class in college. Really? Um, I don't know this story. So um, I had a speech class, and it was international relations. Mm-hmm. And uh, while I was taking it, uh, there was a, a final project, and we had to come up with a skit, and we could use whatever you know media we wanted to do. So I got a group together, and we did the whole scene where... Uh, they're eating spaghetti and the foreigners start slurping and the women in the ed- etiquette class start slurping to copy the foreigner. Cause they're trying to yeah. learn like, you know, foreign, uh, etiquette. And, um, yeah, so I showed that. And then we also did a skit, you know, that kind of like extended that scene a bit.
0: Whoa.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I've actually gotten some, uh, college credits, you did it in a group, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What did yeah, your gr- groupmates think about it? Because, well, imagine I, the nor- normal person, you mm-hmm. know how, you know how in college you get stuck with a group and you have to come up with all the ideas. Yes. So yeah, it was one of those situations. So, so it just I, went
0: with whatever you wanted to.
1: Yeah. So I just brought whatever I wanted, and I remember the the teacher at the end. She she saw her skit and she was like. Yeah, I really enjoyed everything you guys did, but I don't really understand the video. I liked it, but I don't understand it. (laughs) Oh, man. I passed with blind colors, so. There you go.
0: Well, we're here today to explain that scene and many more to you. As I kind of previewed with, for me, I guess Matt and I, and this is a rare case, we're pretty different, and. Uh, yeah, Tom Popo wasn't love at first sight for me, although it was for Matt. Um, but yeah, one of the reasons is uh, the different um, side stories that the movie has. So we'll kind of get into it. Uh, are you ready to kind of start off the movie? We'll kind of just run through a general summary, not a super detailed summary, but just kind of telling you a bit about the movie.
1: Yeah, before we start, I just want to say this movie's uh, written and directed by Juzo Itami. Uh, he's a director that's done a number of movies. He used to be an actor. Um, his movies are very interesting. Uh, he had an unfortunate death, which may or may have not been sabotage or a hit, a Yakuza hit. Um, but uh, yeah, his, he has a very distinct artistic style. Uh, and his films tend to be fairly comical sometimes borderline looney tunes or you know magic realism mm. the, you know i guess that's how i describe it yeah
0: magical realism yeah if you get uh the, um, the criterion they have criterion as a nice version of this it comes with uh, i think it's like his first major film uh called rubber band pistol so you can watch oh cool one. But I think it's cool that you... You should give a little more detail about the whole Yakuza theory because I think it's an interesting story and last time you, you taught me about it. Yeah, so... Mentioning.
1: Go ahead. Yeah, one of his previous movies uh, depicted the Yakuza in a less than flattering light. And so he had some members of the Yakuza come and, and break like break into his office and like rough him up. And so he got beaten pretty severely. And, uh, and then I guess there probably was still some beef because uh, he died by falling from a building. And uh, there was a suicide note on his desk which said um, it, it, he he had an affair with somebody and then he couldn't handle the guilt, and so he jumped off the building. And then they took that note to his family. The authorities took that note to his family, and those family said he never would have, like, killed himself over an affair or something like that, you know, like infidelity wouldn't have been the reason why he killed himself. So um, it it seems like it was foul play. And later on, a couple of members of the Yakuza uh, did come out to journalists and say that they had a part of his, in his death. So I think Mm. foul play was definitely involved. Um, Just, just, I mean, it's conjecture, of course, but.
0: Yeah. What adds to the mystery of uh, Tom (laughs) Pompo? I also, too, uh, I, in the, the Criterion version of the movie, it comes with a nice little poster. And on the backside, there's a long essay w- written by Willie Blackmore, who's like a freelance journalist, apparently. I've never heard of him, but I like the way he writes about Tom Popo. Uh, so to kind of start us off before we uh, like jump into the synopsis of this bit, I'll uh, read uh, a little paragraph from him. He says, when Tampobo was first released in the United States in 1987, long before the pursuit of the perfect noodle like Goro's became the domain of the white hipster foodies, Roger Ebert wrote that even if citizens of the land of sweet corn festivals, bake-offs, and a contest for the world's best chili could likely identify with the film's central quest, the kind of ramen it featured would seem foreign to them. But over the decades, U.S. diners have caught up with Goro and Gun, played by young Ken Watanabe and their appetite for ramen. Known here in 1987 only as a cheap dorm room meal, if it was known at all, ramen is now a readily available, reasonably affordable restaurant meal that is sometimes capable of transcendence. In the U.S. today, as has long been the case in Japan, the dish symbolizes a culinary ideal put forward in Tampopo. That tasteful, informed, lusty appetites in the film, that should quite literally become sexual at times, should belong to the many, not just the wealthy few.
1: Hmm.
0: So, so, here we go. Yeah. Uh, yes. So, uh, this movie starts off uh, not centralized around ramen, but in a movie theater itself. So, uh, you know, you'd probably be watching this movie in a movie theater back then. I don't think, you know, home video and stuff was uh, as big and readily available as it is today. So, it's, it's kind of like a meta feel. And uh, there's a younger man and woman dressed in kind of, I don't know, like gangster style clothing, would you say? like?
1: Yeah. I mean, I Al- would Al- 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 call them the man in white like he's never named he does look like he's uh possibly a gangster yeah very very 19 1920s 1930s kind of look to him Yeah. so he and his girl are dressed up very nicely and
0: they're, they're talking straight into the camera right eyes into the camera Talk, breaking
1: breaking the fourth wall breaking just, the
0: fourth wall talking right to us right
1: yep and, and he he's mentioning uh how movies are so important and he expects people to be silent, quiet. Yeah. But we hear a, a man and another guy and a girl
0: eating bag of potato chips, which are curry, curry flavored chips. <sighs> and uh, our our gangster friend is not not happy about it.
1: <laughs> no, he gets quite aggressive with the guy, and then uh, he explains how um, how the fi- his final movie uh, he will want complete silence so he can uh, when he dies. He can see his final film, which will be, I guess, him passing on. And uh, he does this reenactment of what his death will look like. Yeah. Do you feel... Like, I always felt that was kind of like going to be foreshadowing or something. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you feel that comes back into play ever? It does. Okay. It well, does when quite... When we get yeah. there, yeah. to bring. I'll ask you again then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Cause we didn't talk about that last time, but I'm interested anyway, then the movie cuts and this is where you kind of see the setup in the movie and you, you wonder if you're ever going to see that guy again or, you know, what,
1: what, what was the deal with that movie scene? Because now we're in new setting, new people, right? Yeah. Well the movie starts and then we're watching, uh, an old man and a young man eating ramen together. And the young man is learning from, the the master how to best eat ramen Yeah,
0: this is those rules i (laughs) mean, eating ramen because they seem a bit, like, tough to follow. Yeah. And uh, I think I finally decided after asking some local friends here, like, yeah, no, that was just uh, a joke.
1: (laughs) It's not actual (laughs) etiquette. No, but I think that... Did you ever
0: contemplate it as well? Oh, definitely. You're supposed to do that?
1: I'm sure I went to a ramen shop and mimicked some of these things from the, like, taking the pork and looking at it lovingly and dipping it, you know putting it down and just looking at it i'm sure it was in jest you know but um i'm definitely have done done that before all right well quick sidetrack. what
0: are what are your what are matt's rules to eating ramen like not like a hard rule like what are some some
1: methods or things that you do when eating yeah i definitely um i definitely go for the noodles first i'll i'll take the noodles then try the broth um and then do you do you mix Here's the one I always wonder is like it comes out,
0: looks beautiful, looks great, right? Yeah. For me, the first thing I do is just like destroy it and just like mix it all together and make it ugly.
1: <laughs> <You do laughs> no, never, do never. You go, do you go no. no, okay, all right. So we're already no, on a dif- I, different pass here. I always try it first before I put something in it. So like if I'm going to add garlic or, um, you know, that sesame sauce, like red, uh, yeah. the red pepper sesame sauce, mm-hmm. uh, I always make sure that I, I try it first to make sure that, you know, I need that. Sometimes I decide I don't want to affect the broth because if it tastes good enough, you know.
0: Yeah, that's like a bit disrespectful to the chef, isn't it?
1: And I do say I do tend to save some pork till the end. You know, I I don't go all in on the the sides, you know, on the fixings, you know, the bamboo me, That's why I I mix
0: it is so that
1: it's not like a one by one. It's like
0: I get a noodle bite. I get an egg bite. I get a bamboo bite. I get a meat bite. (laughs) And it's not like, yeah, it's all one by one. And you definitely got to save the meat to the end. Um, yeah, for me too, I'm I'm not great at hot food in general. Like I don't like really, really steaming hot food. Mm-hmm. And I've heard heard this is a little regional in Japan. Like I've heard in Kansai actually food is served hotter than in other places. Okay. I don't know how how true that is. I heard it comes from like kind of the takoyaki, okonomiyaki street culture. That food comes out piping hot. Uh-huh. so people are like quite used to it or like it. Um, so for me oftentimes ramen is like I, I'm hungry usually, but it's I gotta wait about five minutes before I can really eat it. So I one of the first things I do after I mix it up is I really take like the noodles or like the the biggest chunk I can kinda pull out and I kinda hold it over the broth for like forty five seconds maybe to kinda like
1: let it cool and get cold. We and got- I have def- you got to take I'm some sl- footage of that because I bet you it looks just like Tampovo. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not. That's not. I think I stole it from someone else. Like I've seen other people kind of do it before too. But you don't slurp. Like I mean, the reason why people slurp is so that they could eat their noodles faster. You know the uh, slurping sound. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm, I'm all aware of it. Um, uh, some ASMR there for you. Yeah, our new new microphone. We got the new microphones. That's right uh no i still i don't slurp still i don't know all all the reasons to do it but i I still i just can't do it yeah you know the etiquette class which we'll get to later uh i I guess i i need that but (laughs) uh, yeah anyway it's a really funny scene and it's very over the top and it really these these first two scenes has really set the tone for the movie that this is not gonna be your run of the mill film you know
1: yeah, and just when you think you're wrapping your head around this movie, uh, it's a hard, another hard cut to the inside of a truck. Yes. Where we get to meet two other characters, uh, Goro and Ken. Or Gun. Gun Goro yeah, and Gun. Played by yeah. Ken Watanabe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Tsutomu uh, Yamazaki is Goro. That's Goro. And yeah. then uh, Ken Watanabe as Gun. Yes. So... I don't know if I've seen e- ever seen uh, Sutomo uh, Sutomo in anything else before. I don't. I'm, yeah, I don't he looks familiar, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know from where. I'm sure he's been in lots of things. He seems like a
0: seasoned actor, but uh, yeah, no. And this too for me also is awesome. Like, so, all right, when you watch this movie, all right, this movie is about gonna be about ramen, and then semi truck driver too. Yeah, uh, to me, semi truck drivers are great. I like. I kind of wish that was featured a little bit more in the movie, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, yeah, but, I would.
1: Uh, I would have liked that a little more too. But this is, yeah, I guess
0: the the semi truck is like the uh, the horse. You know, this movie's got a very western vibe to it. You can kind of tell a little bit by how the characters are dressed is one of the
1: first clues. Yeah, Goro has a cowboy hat and like a, a vest and like uh-huh. you know the the striped shirts. You know, the western shirt. That's right. But so it's like a
0: modern, you know, Western and instead of having a steed, a trusty steed is a horse, you got a semi truck. So that's right. I think that's that's kind of really funny and great as well.
1: Yeah, so basically Gunn is reading a book about the Ramen Master and his assistant and he's complaining about how this is just a stupid story. And uh but Goro insists you must continue reading.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: uh a gun gets back into it and we get to see the old man and his apprentice learning how to eat ramen correctly it's a really yeah. cool scene Yeah, beautifully this done gonna, this will be like a big theme of the overall
0: movie is uh, Goro definitely plays this uh, master you know and the people around him are his apprentices and Goon is one in terms of what appreciating ramen or did you say yeah and then uh, later, the character robot riding meat, Popo, uh he, he'll teach to make ramen. And, yeah, he definitely plays a kind of sensei role in the in the movie. Although, sometimes it doesn't seem like he totally knows what he's doing.
1: <laughs> I don't know that he knows how to cook ramen, but yeah. he knows how to motivate Tampopo. So, I mean, that ca- it's got to count for something, right? And yeah. he knows where to go to get the advice that she needs, so... We'll get back to this later, but yeah, I
0: just want to touch it. This is like a recurring theme where you kind of see it happen a lot throughout the movie. I think it's one of the important points of the movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so then all,
1: all this talk has made them hungry for ramen. So they stop at this little place called Lilai Ramen and Lai, Lai Ramen. They go inside and immediately they have a bad, bad vibe. Mm. Um, a character named uh, Pushkin or Pliskin. I believe it's. Pisk- Piskin, yeah, Piskin, that's right. Yeah. Piskin is in there, and he has his neighborhood toughs with him. And it's obvious that they're uh, mistreating Tampopo and uh, are definitely not the kind of clientele you'd want to walk into a ramen shop and see. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, there's a bad, bad vibe in there, and a uh, fight breaks out, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a bit of an un- unfair fight in terms of numbers. Yeah. P- Goro Piskin. Goro decides to take on everyone and uh Piskin and his crew go outside and and battle. That's right. Uh, Although we don't see it. It's off, no. off screen. But we
0: we can tell it doesn't fare so well for Goro because the next thing we know he wakes up and the uh the head of the ramen shop's house, we assume, or or like in a bed and she's taking care of him.
1: Yeah. She's making him breakfast and as he's recovering and uh she asks him about how he liked the ramen that she had made for him the night before and he just gives a polite a polite uh
0: non-answer
1: kind of right yeah yeah i think he says it, it's lacking soul yeah. i think is what he says but um she as he's about to leave she runs after him and she says you please please you you must teach me how to make a good bowl of ramen you know my husband has died my son is getting picked on you know i need to be i need to make this business work mm. and uh goro has sympathy and he decides to become her sensei.
0: Yes, and this is kind of the real setup for the overall movie. We have the main the main pieces are in place and we see that she's gonna have a quest, you know, to for the main story arc I would say. Uh quest to, to perfect her ramen, right?
1: Mm-hmm. So um we get to see some of their training. They go to eat at a couple of different ramen shops and see some some of the ramen masters at work. And then there's a bit of a training montage where Tampopo is um, m- taking pots of water and, like, moving them from the counter and back to the burner again. And yeah, then, right. uh, yeah, it's, mean, very, it's very it's Rocky-esque. Definitely yeah, inspired rock- by for some sure. Rocky Balboa. Yeah. I mean, this is another one of the...
0: Whenever the movie gets too serious... They throw on these like comedy kind of scenes, you know, to to lighten the mood. And this is definitely one of them. I think it's a bit over the top for a ramen chef to to physically train. But uh, yeah, that's that's what they do. I guess it's getting that discipline down, you know?
1: Mm. Do you want to
0: run through the main story arc or do you want to kind of go where we go beginning to end and talk about some of the side stories in order?
1: Well, yeah. How about this time? Um, I would just mention that after this montage, it does this movie tends to do this thing where it w- starts to follow other characters in the scene. So there's a really long shot of Goro running, uh, riding a bike and Tampopo running behind him. And this group of businessmen come walking by. And then basically this movie has a series of vignettes that are intertwined with the movie itself. And you never know when they're going to show up. I mean, they come at the most random times. And just as you're getting invested in the main story... It goes off on one of these side stories, and these are yeah. like mini movies into themselves.
0: That's right. Some of them are more connected than others. Some are some are not. But again, for me, the first time I watched the movie, I wasn't crazy about that aspect of the movie. Like, uh, I guess it made me distracted from the main story. I liked it, but
1: I thought there's maybe too many the first time that I saw mm. the movie. A little too many. Some are better than others too. I but, think this uh, is – yeah, I think this is a com- – I mean, it's a common thing. Some people that don't like this film feel that, like, those those um, vignettes are disjointed. And sometimes they feel like, well, it's not related in the main story. Mm-hmm. Although I think they're missing a bit of the point.
0: Yeah, there's there's definitely uh, undertones that are, are connected. But maybe we'll run through the main story arc and then kind of just shout out some of our favorite other vignettes. Yeah, that sounds good. That might be a, a quicker way to go through it. Yeah, so anyway uh, – they're, they they have been going to other ramen shops right and like kind of trying to pick up what the recipe could be, but really no no luck to improve it right.
1: Yeah, so she, they they've been seeing some of the masters and when they ask for advice or something they a lot of times the ramen shop guys get kind of aggressive and they're like get out of my shop you know you're trying to steal my my. Uh, I knew I recognized you. You're from that Lai Lai ramen. You know, that's a good point. Is like. J-
0: in Western culture, every family, what what meals would you say are like secret meal? For me, where I grew up, it's like pasta sauce. Uh, I grew mm-hmm. up in a very like Italian American area, and uh, yeah, everyone everyone's mom or grandma has like their own secret pasta sauce, and like people are a little shy to like share it. You know, how about for you? Like, could you oh. grow up in an
1: area where people had like their secret? Well, it would be Mexican food, and okay. you know, but the the difference is, I don't think Mexican food is typically. Um, is typically known to have, like, secret recipes. It's Mm. more like how your family prepares Mexican food, you know, because every family takes what they have and they make Mexican food from it. So, Mm. uh, you know, my grandmother's Mexican food doesn't taste like anyone else's Mexican food, right? So, yeah, yeah, I would say that that would be a similarity. But, yeah, Mm. I don't know. I, I can't think of anything, I mean, other than, like, I mean, there's beers and whiskeys and, You know, things like that where somebody has a secret recipe, but I can't think Um, of anything specific.
0: Yeah. Okay. So anyway, I think that's a good thing, though, that brings up is ramen, I think, is one of the Japanese foods that that is that way that the ramen shops, they're all doing the same thing. There's not a lot of variance in ramen overall. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, besides, there's like three or four main kinds, but once you have those main kinds, I mean, it's up to you then to do something kind of original or different with it. Yeah, uh, so
1: it is a bit of a secret. Um, from well, the the pr- preparation of the broth, I think, is the biggest secret. Yeah. And yes, then the sure. noodles probably would be second. Yes.
0: Anyhow, the next big point I can remember, you can stop me if there's something in between, is like uh, going to the, the, ho- the homeless area.
1: Yeah, so a- as the movie's going on, the, uh, Goro realizes that Tampopo is just not cutting it. So he's going to need to bring in some... E- External help, so he goes right. to the the homeless shelter, and which is where uh, you always go
0: when you need ramen tips.
1: <laughs> yeah, to find <laughs> the master. I think a doctor. Yeah. Yes. And um, yeah, He's and so getting, this is a great scene. It is. It's one of yeah, my it. favorites. It's very strange.
0: Strange, but like you could kind of imagine it being true, um, in a in a funny whimsical way. These guys are homeless, but also food masters because they're like the experts of finding where, like, the top restaurants in town discard their food. Yeah. So they're eating, you know, the best the best meals for free because they know, like, what time to be there and which, you know, garbage dump to go through. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're masters of their craft.
1: Yeah. Um, some of these guys are hilarious. I mean, it's not realistic-looking homeless people. No. I mean, they definitely are playing it. It almost feels a little, for... uh, like, non pc <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it definitely wouldn't float these days, you know, yeah. because, I mean, the, their depiction is very stereotypical with, like, soot on their faces, and uh, you could tell they're all just, like, character actors, and um, one of the main guys, like, there's one guy that really stands out as, like, a, you know, probably a pretty famous actor in Japan, and uh, he's featured quite a bit, um, but, yeah, it's it's pretty funny, like, the the way the homeless guys are depicted, but... Yeah, like you said, they are all uh, um, experts, you know, in their field of food and culinary arts. And then uh, they ask, end up asking Tampopo's son, young son. He's about I don't know, five or six years old. And they ask him, "What do you like to eat?" And he said, "Ome, omelette rice," which is omelette rice. Yeah. yeah, it's like stir fried omelette, uh, and. So this is where the movie becomes a bit of a Charlie Chaplin esque uh, silent mm-hmm. film homage. Yeah, uh, we get a little slapstick. Uh, yeah, slapstick, some funny music, and they go to make uh, omelet. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's this movie's kind of full full of these kind of things where they take like a uh, an old movie or television trope and they they elaborate it. You know, on that in the story. Yeah. Um, so anyway, they they get the
0: master, right? He's gonna yeah. Help he,
1: out. He's a disgraced doctor. And when he leaves the homeless compound, he's just automatically, like, in these really nice clothes and all cleaned up. And this guy's no, great. No he no has explanation. the explanation. <laughs> yeah, he has the funniest face. Like, what a great actor mm. to find.
0: They get... What happens before they change? They go to and the restaurant. Name changes. Is there any key thing before they decide to call it?
1: Yeah. So um, they actually find a guy that that's quite good at making um, noodles. And yes. so they they find a guy that um, is making noodles for a rich man. They save a, a rich man from choking on mochi. Uh, yes,
0: which happens. Yeah,
1: which happens every year in Japan. Yeah. This is like, a real thing. 30 people die every year eating mochi. During New Year's, typically uh, young children and uh, elderly choke on mochi during uh, mochisuki, which is like a uh, New Year's tradition of pounding rice into a soft, chewy consistency and then eating it. Sometimes grilling it. Actually, it's quite good grilled.
0: There's a couple of foods here that kill people every year. Fugu as well, like Uh, fish or puffer fish. I'm trying to think in the west do we have any counterparts that
1: people die every year eating something uh i don't know gob stoppers <laughs> yeah I don't know. maybe i don't know stuff that would be easy to choke Nothing's on i almost possible. choked i almost choked on pizza once because the mozzarella was so stringy and right, chewy there, there we go <laughs> yeah i don't know there's nothing that jumps in
0: my mind but yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's kind of interesting that still people could keep eating this stuff but yeah so um yeah that that scene happens and then uh they get the noodles one of the major components and then yeah
1: then they learn the broth you know which i think she pays like a a guy to see his uh in this scene where yeah it's kind of a harrowing scene you think that she's going to get um attacked by this uh this antique stealer who tells her that he could sell her the secrets to the, the his neighbor's ramen recipe And as she follows him into this dark room, she's becoming increasingly panicked. But then she realizes there's a people where she can learn the ramen recipe. So she gets the broth from him.
0: Yeah. So she gets all the elements. They go back to the shop and they decide, you know,
1: Piskin, Piskin comes back.
0: Right. And the shop needs to be fixed up. And we find out Piskin, you think he's going to be
1: like, you know,
0: "I, I thought I'd never see the guy again. Or if I did, you know, he's definitely a villain. Yeah, he has, a, he has a turn of heart.
1: Yeah, after after though, he calls Goro out for another for rematch. One more, one yeah. more fair fight this time. Yeah, he fa- he comes and he tells Goro he felt bad for beating him the last time with his boys, and he wishes that it was a fair fight. So he asks Goro for a fair fight, and it's a it's a pretty cool fight scene. The chore- choreograph uh, choreography is like very realistic. I would say more realistic.
0: For a movie that's not like an action movie, or, you know, this isn't really what it does. Yeah, I think it's well done.
1: It's got some cool crane shots from the Overpass. And yeah. The camera work really in this neat. movie, like, I'm not a, you know, I have no experience in film or anything like that, but
0: I have a friend I watched a movie with who used to work in the film industry, and he was just yeah, blown away by a lot of the camera work at the
1: time and said it was pretty innovative for the, for the time, especially in Japanese cinema. Yeah, I was really racking my brain with some of those shots. That, that's one the shot where they pull back from their fight like i was like man they were right they were pretty up up close you know it was a tight shot and then they pull back and you get to see them from pretty far away
0: mm. so There's yeah long,
1: long shots are pretty indicative of japanese cinema in
0: the 80s uh like Takeshi kitano is a guy i really think of a lot who does like mm-hmm. crazy long shots and this film has say yeah, longer than your average shots too um but yeah it's a really cool camera and technical work you know um Yes, yeah, so they uh, fix up the shop, you know, make the shop. Yeah, look good. Piskin
1: Piskin's a contractor. He uh, fixes yeah. bars and and man of many yeah. secrets. Yeah, and he ends up uh, teaching her like the toppings that go on his from his special ramen as well. So she kind of puts together all of her uh, everything she needs, except a facelift, which is where Gun Gun comes in.
0: Yes, he gives her some new makeup
1: he gives her makeup and another go, these, this, these guys got
0: tricks up their sleeves man all of them, <laughs> they got hidden talents right when they need him
1: i think from the pr- pretty much from the start you realize tampopo has has a thing for goro but mm. you're not really sure if goro has a thing for tampopo but right here they really play up they like a romance angle yes. and goro has kind of been like eh, i don't know i don't know if i should get involved with her but this time, you know, they're going out to eat, they're eating Korean food, Korean barbecue, and um and you could tell it's played up for a romance.
0: Yeah. And you think there might be something there, but it never really pans out. As much as I thought it would, at least. Yeah. But anyway, the shows you make ramen once and it's still not good. And they like
1: Yeah, I think that's right before they they um Piskin Shares it. They they taste it after all the hard work she does, and they're like, eh, yeah, you know, still lacking something, you know. <laughs> yeah. But um, so but like Piskin yeah, comes through again, and he's then he like really the last little he's, piece. maybe he's, he's the, 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 the hero. Secret. Yeah,
0: maybe he is the secret uh, sensei. You know, not, girl. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's kind of a I, I think last time we spoke about this, it was the day X Machina, where you know Piskin just kind of comes in and saves the day, and it's kind of convenient. Yeah. he not only does he storytelling. Yeah, he has the final touches for the ramen, but he also has the contracting abilities to like remake her place. But regardless, um, you they know, they all eat the food and then they love it and then they know it's ready. Yeah, and there's some wonderful shots of Tampopo smiling and you can just see well, she's a terrific actress. Um, her name is... is uh Nobuko Miyamoto. And um yeah, she's she's got like this, this presence that really shines through, you know. They she's put really a lot good, like, of
0: like conveying emotion on her face, you know. When she looks sad, you just feel bad for her. When she's happy, you feel yeah. happy happy with her.
1: Yeah. and she's, you know, it's an interesting movie because there's not a lot of like young leads, you know. Everybody's kind of like middle-aged or older yeah. in this movie. There's a lot of old actors. And um yeah, and I think that but she brings, you know, like that I don't know. Like an aged beauty to, with her, you know they mm. they do a really good job of establishing her as a an interesting and charismatic character, even though, um, you know she's struggling most of the movie. That's right. <laughs> you feel so, for yeah. her. I
0: mean, that, that's pretty much the end of the main uh, storyline. You know, they, the shop has a successful opening,
1: customers come in, it's busy. You know, there's a line. Right. And then. Basically, Goro goes off into the sunset. He gets into his truck and he drives off on the interpass pass, and uh, he's going away. And he gives her one last look before he leaves, you know. And Piskin right. comes comes running up to the truck, saying, "Don't leave! Don't leave!" You know. But uh, we we it's gotta have be a western. To know, it's gotta yeah. be that western trope. <laughs> yeah, we've come to learn that Piskin's pretty sweet on Tampopo, and I think it's safe to say. We assume they that they together. might, they might be a, an item. It's hard to say. Yes.
0: So anyway, this movie does not go that smoothly where it's just this story told throughout. Uh, <laughs> that's it the main be, story. It wouldn't be Tom Popo if, if uh, that's all it was. So all while that's happening, you get, I don't know, this different timing, but maybe every 15 minutes or so on average, you get this little side vignette. And you know, when they first happen, you don't, it's not until like the second or third one and you're like, "Oh, this is like going to be a thing. <laughs> like it's yeah. it's going to keep happening." Uh I thought the first one was just I missed something or
1: like I didn't catch that character. What's the what's the very first vignette, do you remember? The first one is the businessman at the French, right. French restaurant. Unless you count the man in white at the very beginning of the movie. Oh, right. Right. Yeah, yeah. right. So the man in white we talked about, yeah. The, so the French
0: etiquette one. Uh, you should talk about it a little bit since you talked about it in your film class, right? We see a lady teaching other Japanese ladies <laughs> how to eat uh, food qui- very
1: quietly and properly. Yeah, right? she's very particular. She tells them to be completely silent because foreigners don't accept like slurping sounds uh, when they're eating pasta. Mm. But then as they, they turn over and look at a... Um, uh overweight businessman that's eating at the restaurant yeah, from overseas a, 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 a white foreign guy. descent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't know from where. Yeah. But uh he's just slurping up the, the pasta and so proving uh, everything I, she's saying to be wrong. <laughs> right, right. And then all of a sudden all the girls just start slurping and it's this mass of like the slurping sound effect and it's glorious. So why did you choose this uh seen from Tom Popo you know you
0: could have done a lot in your speech class any of any of them why why this one do you remember
1: uh yeah what we were supposed to be teaching was misconceptions like of other cultures and so I thought it fit pretty well but I think maybe the subtitles and stuff threw off a lot of people in the class you know I I was a very heady (laughs) college student so maybe uh maybe I should have gone a little more simple
0: but Yeah, man, I should have went with American Pie. I should have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyhow, uh, I guess we should just maybe name. So, yeah, that scene happens, and it just jumps right back into the main narrative we were talking with you about before. No real explanation. At this point, the only connection is really like ramen has noodles in it. You know, Spaghetti has noodles, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, all of these vignettes do, are centered around food. So, like, yeah. every single one still has to do with food. And I
0: remember, um, for me, I was just trying to think, like, what what was that? Like, I guess noodles. Like, is that where the noodles are made? Like, I was really <laughs> trying to, like, force a square peg into a round hole, I think, uh, the first time I saw it. Yeah, how do you feel
1: now, though? Do you feel like you've... Now
0: you've I like remembered? them because I'm a big repeated viewing person in general. Like, uh, I have such a bad bad memory that I have to rewatch things a lot, you know? Um so any movie I like, I know I've seen somewhere between five and you know how many times. But yeah, I rewatch movies a lot. So with repeated viewings the vignettes. Are I will than I will
1: say this movie is probably one of the hardest ones to like remember the synopsis from beginning to end because of these vignettes. It's yeah, they really pop in all the time. It really breaks up the, the main plot and makes it really difficult to keep keep these things straight. That's right. Um it
0: feels, although, though, like I think the movie's probably aged well in a way. Although some of the topics now are not PC, which we'll get into more of probably. But um, I think this fragmented storytelling, like this day and age, you know, people have very short attention spans and stuff with the technology. I feel like it would do well to like always keep throwing things at you, you know. Um,
1: but I, I, I'm sure a lot of people have been influenced by this. I'm sure there are some movies that that do have some references to Tampopo, and um, I, I can't think of any off the top yeah, let of us my know, head. But let yeah. us know,
0: listeners. I'm sure a lot of people who are going to listen to this know, know the movie already. It's pretty, uh, what's the right word? Infamous or, or, fam- <laughs> yeah. or famous, depending on famous, it, if you like it or not. or not. Um, yeah. But yeah, maybe I'll go to my, my favorite vignette. It might be your favorite one too. It's the most famous one I would say is the, the bread lady, old lady in the market with the bread. Yeah, that's that, definitely that your favorite my one? favorite. Yeah.
1: I always think about this.
0: So we should go through that one. Uh another point in the movie. Um do you remember which point this one comes in at?
1: I believe this comes in around the time that it's right before Tambobo meets her the last master, I think. Okay, or so. Piskin comes in and saves her. So it's one of the last vignettes, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: We see a lady in a grocery store. Yeah, she, oh, she's sneaking into a grocery store in a very suspicious yeah. way. That's right.
0: It's not like any grocery store I've ever seen. I don't know if grocery stores have changed that much. You know, we got here maybe twenty years later. Um, That's a little different. It's this definitely small, like a, a gourmet. Yeah, like a hot, yeah, expensive one. They have a lot of Western products.
1: Yeah, yeah, and they have a, a one of those beautiful uh, produce sections that supermarkets nice have peaches, in Japan. Those nice yeah. peaches. <laughs> And so, but, but not for long. Those no, don't
0: stay nice for long.
1: The old woman has a habit, or is OCD, or something, and she s- decides to press all the peaches and squeeze them until the juice comes out. Yeah, that's all right. And then try to like reconfigure them, and so no one knows. <laughs> yeah, but the the man uh, manning the counter, uh, he notices right away, and he goes to catch her, and she dashes off in a very cartoonish,
0: I th- cartoonish I think style. The effect is different, like. For me, growing up, peaches are like I don't know, fifty cents each. You know, mm-hmm. I think when I saw that. I thought, okay, yeah, whatever. That's weird. I think watching it now, living in Japan, I definitely have more of like, oh, oh man, it's so like so much money. Like it's like a seven dollar peach, <laughs> right? And then the way they are, you can just tell they're they're kind of wrapped in styrofoam. Typically, those are like even more expensive. You know, yeah. these are like the gourmet peaches. If if you live here, you know, and yeah, it definitely seems much more taboo. I think if you have lived in Japan. Uh, seeing what she does
1: yeah but oh definitely it's changed my perspective on it
0: we learned it's not just peaches she has an affinity for but we learned that the theme is uh she likes soft things
1: yes bread cheese whatever she could get her hands on she's squeezing and she's poking yeah. holes and things and yeah, yeah she's definitely uh running amuck in this market and, and the, again living uh, here it'll, it'll change the way you go grocery shopping like any old lady
0: typically there's a lot of older ladies at grocery stores here and I'm sure you've been the same. Like it crosses your mind a couple of times a year, you know, like any, any tempo po- ladies in here like, <laughs> or I, it's half to have happened. Like, I wonder if the filmmaker, like based this on something he's seen or people were then inspired to do it. I guarantee you someone's done it.
1: I mean, when I was a kid, uh, I had a friend who used to go into the supermarket and you know, the, how the paper towels come two together. Yeah. And he used to do this Kung Fu chop. And just slice all the cent the center of the packaging, <laughs> and it would cut right down the middle. And it is I've done it before. You know I've, I brought paper towels home and, and done it, and it cuts so clean. Really? It is very satisfying. <laughs> I'm gonna try so, it next time. Yeah, you got to do it.
0: <laughs> I don't think it's gonna cut. Uh, maybe I put it up as an Instagram story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Me I just will. Just cutting it with no explanation. <laughs> and you I'll, do the same. I'll try to do it. Yeah, next no time I get paper
1: towels, I'll do it.
0: It'll be a in, inside only if you see, listen to this episode. Yeah. But <laughs> anyway, that, that scene is great and hilarious and like classic. It's probably something people have wanted to do. You know, it everyone's thought of, but just can't do it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this old lady had the goal to do it. Um, any other quick, quick mentions for the vignettes?
1: Um, I mean, I'm partial to the one where the guy has goes into the dentist and then mm-hmm. the child comes out, and he has the sign around his neck saying, "Mom said, don't give me su- sweets," mm-hmm. and a carrot, or like, a, <laughs> like a carrot necklace. <laughs> and uh, and the guy, the guy that just came from the dentist, is eating an ice cream, and he gives ends up giving it to the kid, and the kid looks like he's he's struck gold, you know? Yeah, I think that's I'll- another
0: thing about this movie too is like it it hits on these things that are like things you think about, but I don't know, I never really thought about talking about with other people you know it's like they're so nuanced but like the thing about everyone's got their own view of the dentist my dad always would take me to get donuts after the dentist <laughs> it always just seems so counterproductive or right? counterintuitive like that would be the time your teeth are you just keep them feeling good and clean the longest you know yeah. But so many so many people have this tradition of just eating junk food right after it's well a funny you're supposed thing to eat
1: life. soft food and you know like what's the first soft soft food you think of jello jelly soup (laughs) like i mean i guess what else what else is there ice cream ice cream (laughs) yeah it's called soft serve for a reason
0: you can eat tofu matt you can eat a banana you
1: can eat healthy stuff Uh, who wants to eat that stuff
0: (laughs) anyhow but i think that kind of hits on uh that uh so yes any other vignettes before we kind of get into themes or kind of big ideas
1: uh No, I, I would just say that like all the vignettes, I think, serve a, a bit of a purpose that show, you know, just the overall themes of the the film, which is basically the, the importance of food and how food brings people together and, you know, and kind of how we take things for granted. Like you were saying, you know, the nuance in each of these vignettes um shows a different aspect of food that you don't really think about, but it's, you know, food is so important for so many different reasons and this movie is good at communicating that
0: yes well i think there's two big themes that have taken me repeated viewings to kind of find and one of them is on on food so i'll talk about that one now as a transition like for me this movie as i talked about in the beginning the very first kind of scene or one of the first scenes where uh not the master but another ramen master is like telling you how you have to eat ramen And now I know, again, that 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 is, I think, a joke or it's actually against what this movie says. I think one of the main themes or messages of the movie is it kind of like glorifies or embraces people who have their own way of doing things or have weird idiosyncrasies Mm. Um, from Again, I I think that's one of the things that ties the vignettes together is these people are all enjoying food in some weird way or non-traditional way. And I think the movie is, um, I think the overall theme, I can see not any one of those really pushes this idea, but I think if you kind of connect them together, like all these people are appreciating food, whether it's through lustful ways of enjoying food, which again (laughs) would be seen as non-traditional or squeezing food or, you know, uh, breaking taboos, like after the dentist. Uh, I think the idea is like, yeah, there's no right way to do things. And uh, people who have unconventional approaches are actually, you know, the, the interesting ones in this world or that's what makes the world an interesting place kind of thing.
1: Yeah, that was a, that's a really interesting read. And actually not you say that I th- do think this movie subverts your expectations, especially in those vi- vignettes, the characters mm-hmm. that you think are going to know what they're doing are typically the ones that don't. So, um, yeah, that's, that's really funny that, yeah, I've never noticed that or had it put so explicitly, but yeah, I I agree with that completely
0: the the second big one for me is like uh the path i don't know how to like put it the, i don't have like the best like thematic statement um but i would say it's like amateur becoming a pro or like the quest of fulfilling your dreams mm-hmm. and this is one i feel is that yeah, probably more overall or seen throughout the whole movie and it's i think really um indicative of japanese culture and kind of what i felt here Maybe it's a time and period of my life. I've come here in my late twenties, um, into thirties, but so most people are on that same age. Are, are kind of like trying to find their their mark in this world. Um, at least in our generation, people got a bit of a later start, it seems. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it, the way Japan approaches that, compared to where I grew up, at least, or the circles that I ran in, is is kind of different. I feel there's a bit of a, almost like an obsession with it here. And, um, it's really seen as like not struggling. I think sometimes in the West we can kind of look at someone who's an amateur or not very good. And we can like look at the flaws or be kind of negative on that. But Japan seems to be really understanding and supportive when people see that person trying to get better and better themselves and work really, really hard. Obviously it goes with the kind of stereotype of like a hardworking culture. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've seen it to levels where if like you don't, have that dream or you're not pursuing let's say you have a dream but you're not really doing anything to, to to have it happen um yeah i've had conversations with friends where they're like very concerned by that like almost what i would consider like a brother or like a father um talking to you rather mm-hmm. than just like a you know kind of a friend maybe like your number one best friend you know i, I could see having like a real hard talk like why aren't you, you gotta push yourself harder man your your dreams are gonna come true what are you doing with your life um, but I've kind of seen that among friends that maybe aren't like the best, best friends here. Um, and I know it's not always like the best measure, but the TV show Ch- Terrace House, um, that show is kind of a theme on there of particularly within men. I see it more than women, but, uh, yeah, really trying to like inspire people to do their dreams and really help them out. Like going the extra mile, like showing up with them and like working together and just really like strong support i think uh we see that here with um uh, goro being a stranger to tampopo and taking that role you know yeah and even even piskin to piskin too i don't know how well he knew tampopo before but you know he seems to kind of come out of nowhere to a certain degree and uh come in and like just really support that dream
1: right right yeah i think definitely think that's a you know an important theme um yeah, I mean, I I agree with both of those. I think that you know this movie is kind of saying a little bit thematically, it's saying something about the circle of like food and digestion and you know those kind of mm. things. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that Goro drives a truck that's quite possibly a septic truck. Hmm. I believe I believe it's um uh, you know like a a waste management you know kind of truck that he's driving. Uh, and he's keeping it very clean. And at the end of the film, he drives off into the sunset in his waste management truck. And then we come back around to a baby, um, um, breastfeeding and that's like the end credits, right? Yeah. So, um, I think it's a a little bit about the cyclical nature of food, how it gives you pleasure and gives you pleasure, pain, frustration, all those kind of things. And then, uh, all the way back to. Uh, where it goes, and then start over again, right? Like, I mean, I think there's something there about, yeah, the importance of food in one's life. I mean, obviously, it fetishizes foods from the beginning in more ways than one, so.
0: Yes. Now, in the beginning, we talked about the gangster and, you know, his how he wants his, you know, last moments to be like and stuff. Where do you feel, you said that comes back into play, you feel like, where, where is that?
1: Yeah, so one of the final vignettes right before the end when Tampopo reopens her restaurant is the man in white getting shot. And he gets mm-hmm. shot and he's in the rain and we don't see who the assailant is. We see although we do see him fall on the ground and uh his and it's just like how he imagined his death at the beginning Silence. of the film. Yeah. it's not so silent because his uh, girlfriend does run up to him and go, darling, darling, please don't die. Mm -hmm. And then he says, then he asks her to be quiet. And he's, he's like, it's time for my final film, Mm -hmm. you know? And uh, yeah, so that's, that's the end of, of the man in white. Who's also notorious. He's a notorious character throughout the movie in the vignettes as well. That's right. He... Which is, I think, where we should get into next, you know. You want to talk
0: about the, uh, the taboo? The yeah, the three things. That make people not like yeah. the movie?
1: Yeah. The <laughs> three. So, so I think there are three things that really turn people off to this movie. Um, and I think the first one is the one animal is harmed in the making of this film. There's this a, turtle. Tr- a scene where they're making turtle soup. And, uh, you know, if you're familiar with the process of doing that, they take a live turtle and they cut into its its neck and then they they bleed it to get the um the broth you know the the blood so that uh they can make a broth from that and uh yeah you see that on on screen so i know there's some people out there that would definitely not not want to see that that's right yes uh yeah that's... you become very quickly familiar with how
0: they make t- t- turtle soup if you didn't know cuz i show a lot a lot of it yeah. Uh, yeah, that's definitely one. Then there's some pretty uh experimental sexual scenes. Risque. With food. <laughs> yeah. Risque with food. There's a very uh,
1: risque uh sex scene where they're using different foods at, at in a hotel. It's the man in white and his girlfriend. Yeah. And uh there's they're using various items from the on the menu to uh use in a their I guess their sexual escapades. Yeah. Um it's I've been around the block,
0: seen a lot. Pretty of things, interesting, but it's definitely one of the weirdest things I've seen in my
1: life. Yeah. The shrimp, the shrimp is the definitely the most odd. Uh, yeah. There's a, a a part where a bowl hey. full of, uh, I believe, it's soy sauce and butter is placed on the woman's stomach with a live shrimp inside of it, and it's uh, it's very very interesting, very unique. So if you're squeamish about like you know sexual material. You know, if you have young children and stuff, uh, this might be a uh, place yes. where, you know, it'll also give you
0: home. other uses for egg yolk that you might not have considered before.
1: So. <laughs> yeah, the egg yolk is infamous as well.
0: So, yeah. I look forward to that. And then the last one is,
1: uh, yeah, the last un- one
0: underage ro- romance, perhaps. And-
1: Yeah, this part is, I think this is the hardest one to swallow. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of people that argue, you know, well, this movie was of its time, so maybe they get a pass. But I think even in the 80s, this would be a little bit taboo. Um, Mm. But um, there's a scene where there's these young women are diving, young girls probably, most likely, are diving for clams. And uh, one comes up with a clam and the man in white asks to buy one and, mm. uh, he cuts, she cuts open the clam for him. And as he's trying to eat it, he cuts his lip and a bit of his blood goes on the clam itself and, or the, the oyster inside. I don't know. I don't know the difference between yeah, clam I don't, and oyster to be honest.
0: I think that and, it's a Pearl Diver Oyster Girls, what she's listed as in the credits. That's her official oh, okay. title. Yeah. Pearl Diver Oyster Girl. Yeah.
1: Yes. And, um, yeah, and then at the at, at that scene she looks at him like in a very like affectionate way and it's it's a very uncomfortable scene to watch and I actually out of all the scenes in this this film I wish this one wasn't wasn't there because it does make me cringe mm-hmm. like really bad like this is you know if the rest of the movie wasn't really great you know then this scene would probably turn me off to the film and the director yeah. It's a but, good thing. Um, it's
0: literally like at the very end. So.
1: Yeah, it's very short, Um, but she does end up like licking the man in white's face. And so, you know, Blood. I mean, it's very it's very hard to watch, I think, in a in a modern um, from a modern perspective. And yeah. And I think that that would probably turn off the people off to this movie. You know, if anything, it's the one that should turn you off, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes. uh, but, but, besides
0: that, it's a great movie,
1: yeah, like I said, you know, if the rest of the movie wasn't super great, then um yeah, I wouldn't I definitely wouldn't give that scene a pass, but um, but, yeah, I never hear anybody else talk about it, so we're being very honest, yeah here yeah, in yeah. japan give me the, know, the
0: full the full spectrum the full of story, yeah. yeah that that's it, great movie, classic, uh any you know a lot of times most people I know who really like Japan or watch a lot of Japanese movies, you know, they're going to know Tom Popo. So hopefully if you know the movie already, this gave you like a interesting insight where you hopefully brought some new takes. And if you don't know the movie, we probably spoiled a good amount of it, but yeah. uh, there's definitely seeing is uh, different We I feel like covered about half of it. You know, there's still a lot more. So check it out. Yeah. Let us know what you think. Let us know what your favorite scenes were, what your least favorite scenes were. If you know any movies that were uh, have paid homage to Popo po that we couldn't call out or just any other Popo po facts, we'd be happy to know.
1: Yeah. Or send us your favorite photos of ramen or whatever. Yeah, there you, you, you know. go. Yeah. Show, us, show us ramen
0: it. in your part of the world. How do you do ramen? Do you do stovetop college dorm ramen? Do you got some uh, good places out
1: where you are? Ramyeon yeah. in Korea. You know, ramen, spicy. Korean style Shen ramen. ramen. Right?
0: That's right. So there's many different ways to do ramen. Show us uh, how you like your best ramen. Maybe we'll share some of the photos on our Instagram.
1: Re- yeah, definitely.
0: Reshare them or something like that. We'll, we'll Maybe we'll post up our favorite ramen. I think we got to do a ramen episode eventually too. So like a full on just talking about ramen.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, um, yeah. Follow us all over the internet at Japan 2.0. Spell out point. Um, we're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, we were recently on another podcast. I think in our next podcast, we'll probably give a little more information for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That's or true. Do you, would you like to do that here?
0: I think we'll say it now, but probably when I just checked actually today and it's not out yet.
1: Um, I so think we still time... need to fend, send the photo of, of oh. like, we need to send a photo of our, our podcast. So yeah, I was working on that this weekend, so I'll probably send it tomorrow.
0: Okay, so yeah. I'll just say it's it's called the Made in Japan podcast. You should give them a listen. It's a really cool concept where the the host uh, talks with people who are making things in Japan as the title recommends. Uh-huh. Uh, so we were featured on there because we make a podcast in Japan. Buddy had as uh, hip-hop musicians on there as well. What other kind of – what's He's got a
1: speakeasy. That. He's got like um, you know people doing events. He's got other podcasters. I mean, it, it's a really good show. Mel, the host, is is super it, cool. And...
0: Mel Mel's great. We had a great time, as you'll hear. Um, and he just he asked really insightful questions, and I was very impressed with uh, how creative he was. Like it didn't start off how you think. You know, you had a really creative approach. to kind of really dive right in. So I think for Matt and I, it felt. Um, it was a really good feeling when the episode ended. You know, he made us feel good about ourselves, which is a, <laughs> s- a sign of a good host, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. Great host. But, uh, yeah, we'll we'll give more information once it's actually out. But it'll probably come out, he said, in the next week or two. Yeah, uh, give him
1: a sub- subscribe, yeah, if uh, it might be out by the time you hear this podcast. So.
0: Yeah, I saw, like at least on iTunes, he didn't have many reviews and stuff and he's got a good amount of episodes. So definitely show him some love. It shows really, really good. Uh, like good production value. Um, yeah, very, I think like similar to our show. So if you like our show, you'll definitely enjoy his show. He does a really good job avoiding the major kind of topics that a lot of other, uh, YouTubers and podcasts talk about. So yeah, one of the, if you want to be in Japan, you can't be in Japan. I think, uh, he helps with that.
1: Yep. Um, so yeah, anyway. hopefully we get him on our podcast someday.
0: Yes, we definitely plan to. All right, well, thanks for listening. Uh, yep, we're gonna listen uh, to some music from Tom Popo. It's uh, I, no, not, it's gonna, it's no, not like gonna Matt, be the ch- yeah, curveball, yeah, <laughs> <curveball>. <laughs> it, yeah. so right.
1: no, it is gonna be from Tom Popo, but it's the um, the Charlie Chaplin piano okay. scene. This movie, the the music is not what you're here for the Foley sounds are what you're here for. I didn't. I talked about that more the first time we recorded it, but yeah, this movie lives by the sound effects. But um, yeah, this scene is, is probably one of the only music, real big music cues. So All we'll right. listen to that. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> Until next time. All right. See ya. See ya.